Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show. And with me today is Dr. Mark Jones. Dr. Jones, welcome to the Equipping You and Grace podcast, sir. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's a privilege to have you. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and any upcoming and ministry projects that you have going on? Yeah, I live in Vancouver, um, minister at Faith Vancouver Presbyterian Church. It's a PCA church. Uh, I've been here for about 15 years. It's my only uh, ministry in terms of church ministry. And uh, I have four kids, a wife, and they uh, they keep me busy. Uh, I do travel quite a bit. Uh, thankfully, by God's grace, I've had a, a, a reprieve due to COVID from excessive travel. But I do manage to get around to Africa, South America, Asia, Australia and other places to to talk about various um, topics that even we may talk about today. So uh, that's that. And um, other than that, I um, really am a big uh, soccer football uh, fan, and uh, that keeps me uh, a little bit out of trouble. <laughs> Staying out of trouble is good. Staying out of trouble is good, especially since you're a pastor and everything, Absolutely. And, and you're a well-known author and all those things. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> But it's, uh, well, can you tell us about this book, uh, Knowing Sin, Seeing Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans, why you wrote it, and how you hope it'll be received? I was really uh, thinking about this book for a, a while. And w- when you do a lot of research in the Puritans, as I have tried to over the years, I uh, you know, focused on Christology at first, then the doctrine of God. But anytime you're reading the Puritans on any you know, low side, you, you see that you're dealing with a whole bunch of different topics. So I had um, an inkling that maybe what we needed was a sort of popular level book that helps us to understand the doctrine of sin. And I've always found the Puritans to be very um, clear, but also penetrating on the topic. And I thought, you know, can I put a book together that reflects my own pastoral instincts of what is needed in the church today, but make use of some of the Puritans I know well to to provide a, a hopefully a theologically rich but pastorally helpful book. Yeah. Oh, guys, uh, as I always try to do when I have the book available, uh, the book is uh, Knowing Sin, uh, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritan. If you're watching the video, here it is. Um, yeah, the book is definitely very good, uh, rich in the Puritans and in the scriptures. Um before we get started, I thought I would read this statistic on, from the Ligonier Statement of, of Theology just to get a little bit of context about the issue. Um, they did this. They do this study, you know, every year, I think, with its LifeWay research. And on this, they say um, they ask everyone since a little bit. Most people are good by nature. Um, they respond uh, in 2016, 54 percent of people agree. 2018, 54 percent. 52% agree in 2020. Now 46% uh, 
agree. So there, uh, there is a huge need, uh, as we'll talk about today, for folks talking about sin and what it is. So, yeah. Well, how can how can the Puritans help us recover a biblical and historical understanding of sin? Well, I, I'm glad that you connect the biblical and the historical because uh, you know it's 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 easy to say this is historical or it's easy to say this is biblical. But what you find is throughout history, there's been a pretty consistent understanding of various components of of the doctrine of sin. It has been um, elaborated and refined um, on various key parts of the doctrine of sin, such as whether you know uh, original guilt, things like that. But Overall, I think, um, you know, the, the Puritans were very well steeped in the early church, the medieval church. They knew the Reformation fathers. They, they, they were so widely read and philosophically trained and, and so on and so forth. But they knew their Bibles well. So when you get the Puritans on sin, you're not just getting, you know, biblicists who just, you know, throwing out passages from the Bible. You're getting a very sophisticated understanding of of sin in terms of the wider Christian context, but also in terms of their own immediate pastoral context. So they're not writing as mere theologians. They're very often writing as pastors. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the the thing that strikes me about Reformation and post-Reformation theologians is they were generally pastors. And so, um, Everything they write about sin has a, a pastoral aspect to it, and it's steeped in the theology of the church. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like for the reason that you're saying is, is this, it's not just the Bible that matters; it's also the, what the church is taught, and we need we need both. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, we both know that uh, we're we're living in a time when people want to redefine history and even redefine words and what they mean, and so. So that helps us, as as we both know, to have a good and rich and a right understanding of not only the Bible, but also what the church has taught. So I think that's really good. Well, how does recovering the Puritans' teaching on sin help the average Christian? For me, the Puritans were, they were physicians of the soul, and I think they saw the extensiveness of sin and its multifaceted um, problem for us. So they see the the general principle of sin very graphically and and you know you look at psalm 51 and how david describes sin they they understood its general problem you know stemming from adam and uh affecting all mankind but then what i like about the puritans is they get into the specifics of sin they get into the sins of the mind the conscience they get into um sins that most people wouldn't even know are sins but when you look at god's word you start to see those things and and the way they describe pride and unbelief and the sometimes sophisticated categories they have for even you know sins of of the will and 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 then also the aggravations of sins and and how some sins are worse than others and why that's the case so the specific nature of sin i think the pearsons excelled in in identifying not just sin as a general issue and problem but a specific issue and how it affects people differently based upon their constitution context and so on. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And what, what I, what I like appreciate about like Owen and guys like that is just, you know, they do exactly what you're talking about. They, they don't minimize, they don't deflect, they don't uh, gloss over any, any aspect of our sin. They, they go straight for the, 
for lack of a better way to say it, the juggler, you know, yeah. and they, they just draw it out in, in, in and uh, as we'll talk about here in a minute, the, the beauty of Christ. But um, yeah, like what, you know, we're living in this self-help me. We even have this me too movement, you know, uh, how do we, how do we speak to that movement when it, when it comes to, to sin where, you know, we're, we're so relativistic about uh, things, you know, it's all about me. It's all about my thoughts, my truth. You know, uh, I see this on the broader, even, you know, I'm sure you do broader evangelical scene, but how do we speak to that? If you, if you, if you think about, you know, I mean, there's a sense in which, yeah, we do live according to my thoughts and my understanding of all these things. The problem is we don't understand who we are. Uh, you know, we we have a, a make-believe understanding as that poll shows you. Uh, we don't really understand who we are in the doctrine of sin. It's not fundamental to our understanding of our, our nature. And so once you sort of deny a biblical and, and let's just say, uh, reformation or reformed understanding of, of human nature in its various states, whether in unbelief or even in the state of belief, you really aren't able to understand anything about the world properly and anything about god so it's 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 a tragedy that this is a problem in pulpits it's a problem in the pew it's a problem in the church that we have such an anemic doctrine of sin that our own understanding of ourselves is based upon a lie very often mm. yeah yeah we're I think I think it's safe to say just using what you said, first John runs first John one eight, you know, we're deceived. And we say we we don't have if we're if we're deceived, the truth isn't in us, John would say. Mm-hmm. And uh that's why he goes on to talk about confession and then the the ministry of Jesus as an advocate. So yeah. well, um we we're talking about sin and one of the areas that i think that we really don't do a good job with christians is talking about indwelling sin and how does this idea this doctrine of indwelling sin or some people call it remaining sin how does it help the christian today it's an important doctrine in terms of its application to our lives and uh, first we have to understand what it means to be a sinner apart from the grace of God, apart from being in Christ uh, in our so-called uh, unregenerate state. And then we have to understand, you know, what is the transition like into a state of grace, into a state of um, a belief and so on. And indwelling sin helps us to understand that a, there is an enemy within that remains until the, we leave these bodies, we will always be fighting a real enemy but it's not an enemy that we can't defeat. So when Paul speaks in Romans 8, 13 about putting to death the misdeeds of the flesh by the spirit, we will live. And I think it's crucial to understand that the enemy is powerful. It's extensive still. It affects our mind. It affects even our bodies because, you know, these outward bodies do waste away. Um, but it's not an enemy that we are hopeless against because the dominion of sin, it's no longer our master in the sense that we have no ability to fight back, has been broken through Christ. So um, I think if you look at um, John Owen, especially in the Puritans, he, you know, he writes on indwelling sin. And um, I think he, he has a pretty realistic take upon the fact that while we can mortify 
our sin, it's nevertheless always going to be present in this body. And it's going to sometimes be very powerful uh, in its assaults upon us. And that's something that we just have to remember as we contend each day to live a life by faith in the Son of God, but also remember that we're going to need to lead a life of repentance because we're always going to be sinning in this life. Yeah, as a as a pa- that's really good. As a as a pastor, what would you say to the person who either hear that and they're like, "Hey, I'm I'm really discouraged by what you said because I'm going to keep fighting against not only my sin but maybe a specific ha- uh, pattern of enslavement or habitual behavior that you know is yeah yeah, yeah. and they, so they struggle you know with their assurance and mm-hmm. feeling like God doesn't care and and I'm sure you deal with this question all yeah the time. yeah absolutely I, I it's a fair question too because you know people have these these issues I think that one of the first first things to say is. Uh, you're fighting as a justified person. You're not fighting as someone hoping one day to be justified. It's not Roman Catholicism here. It's it's Protestant um, doctrine of assurance, which uh, Bellarmine called the greatest heresy, uh, because our doctrine of justification meant that we can know that we are accepted before God. So in our fight against indwelling sin, knowing that you are justified, accepted, that you're a child of God makes all the difference. If you, if you get rid of justification, your fight against sin in terms of sanctification would be actually hopeless and futile and and ultimately soul destroying. So I think that's one of the first things I understand, uh, try to get people to understand. The second would be that, you know, you really can, fight against sin because God um, gives what he commands, as Augustine said, and he gives us the spirit. He gives us the spirit of Christ and he does so because the spirit of Christ enables us through various means, the word, prayer, preaching, etc., to put to death um, the misdeeds of the flesh. So uh, we have to believe that God will accomplish his work in us um, and he gives us the ability to do so. Yeah. That's really good. Um, something that I do, you know, when somebody is saying, hey, I'm struggling with assurance. Uh, one of the first things I ask them about, well, yeah, how, how are you doing at the at the means of grace? How are you doing at your Bible reading and prayer and those things? How what does your church attendance look like? Yeah. And uh, hmm, as we both know, most often it's probably pretty minimal or they're like, what is that? Yeah. And and so uh, so then I tell them and. And that starts to to help them. And um, your your answers your answers right on the money. Um, I think that another thing that could help is reading um, another great guy, uh, J.C. Ryle. Yeah, uh, that that book, Holiness. I mean that that would be uh, it's a little longer than your book, but you know That's it's a classic. it's a classic. It's it's well worth waiting through. So yeah, read read the chapter. Remember Lot's wife. It's terrifying. You know, you won't be able to sleep at night. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and he does a good job like you do on, you know, indwelling sin as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, what sins do Christians tend to struggle with the most and why? That's uh, that's a that's a that's a big question. I think my initial instinct would be to say that as far as I understand the scriptures, my own personal life, people around me, the Puritans, there's a pretty good chance that every Christian will have slightly different struggles. So the seed of every sin is in our heart. Absolutely. Um, But uh, on the other hand, uh, depending on your stage in life, you will find certain sins are are sometimes more violent against you 
than at other stages. You know, you can you can even look at the lusts of a of a teenage boy um, flaring up for the, the the ten years or so. That's ten fifteen. Out of, I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm not a biologist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got you, brother. Quote, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think people would generally understand the instinct of, of how um, it may be a, a more difficult struggle, lust for a, a person who's still in their sexual prime, so to say, speak. Um, but then you would say, well, what about being miserly or um, a spendthrift or, or just, you know, having no concern for, for money, you know, if you're a rich person, you, you may find that certain sins affect you as opposed to being a poor person. Um, you may have envy, you may have pride. I, I think that's important to understand that even among the, the the genders, the sexes, male and female, there's there's different types of sins. You know, if you look at physical uh, violence, you look at jails, you look at, you know, the makeup of society just shows that we all have different struggles. But um, one thing I will say is we all struggle with unbelief. <laughs> we all struggle with pride. We struggle with the general principles, but then pride will look a certain way in a young man as opposed to an old man. So the, the specific uh, outflowing of pride and unbelief and so on will look different, but the root of those sins are the same in, in all of us, I think. Mm, that's really good. And I appreciate the fact that you're not saying, hey, this is what it looks like for what for one this looks like for one person and then for another person it looks different because i think what we do is oh well there's this general category of sin and we know that the bible speaks in general categories all like romans 323 and 69 all of sin but it yeah. still talks about one uh, still talks about uh specific sin like sexual sin and pride and you know then there's proverbs 15 which tells uh we don't talk about that in the church things that god hates you know yeah. and so and one of those is as you mentioned pride so absolutely yeah that's probably this probably brings up a good point um just thinking about it uh, somebody might listen to this and they might think is is there one sin that's worse than another or is there even a category or a a classification of of sin as if as if one sin is worse and another is yeah thoughts. yeah well the, the 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 worst sin is unbelief uh that was the first sin you know adam didn't believe god's word um and in his unbelief he you know he's guilty of every other sin in against god and but fundamentally sin begins with unbelief people think it's pride that was the roman catholic view the the reformation reform view was unbelief and i think it's more accurate uh pride quickly follows unbelief no question but um there are sins that are particularly heinous uh, in the way we live our life and whenever we sin we're basically saying we don't believe god is is present right there and then and cares in a sense right so we're not believing who God is, and then everything else is a is an outflow of unbelief. So yeah, there are some sins that are worse, and um, that's that's something that we have to to recognize. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. What is the difference between inward temptations versus outward temptations? That's a good uh, topic for. Uh, a lot of discussions about sin because um, I think people misunderstand this generally in evangelicalism as well. That you know, uh, oh, if you know, I can be tempted inwardly, but that's not necessarily a sin. I just can't act on it. And 
Um, the Puritans distinguish between inward and outward temptations. And outward temptations, if somebody solicits you with something evil, that doesn't mean you've sinned. It's it, it's a thing indifferent, according to Owen. It's the heart's reception of that that um, could mean you've sinned or not sinned. But Christ was solicited by the devil in his temptation with various temptations. That did not mean that Christ sinned. They were real temptations, but they were not temptations from within. When I speak of temptations from within, I'm saying there are things that our hearts stray after that are not agreeable to God's word and his will and law. And when our hearts stray and are diverted from the path of obedience to desire something not agreeable to God's law, that is a sin. If you are inwardly desiring uh, something uh, that is unlawful, that's a sin. So um, once we understand that, we can't just say, oh, well, Christ was tempted and he wasn't a sinner. Therefore, if I'm tempted, it doesn't mean I'm a sinner. There's a difference between outward and inward temptations. Hmm. So maybe you could take that and uh, flush it out like practically, maybe for a guy and a, and a girl and how how they might be tempted. Yeah, I mean, if a if a young man and you know, I'm sorry if this is PG thirteen, but you know, if a young man is <laughs> thinking about the, the the girl he's with and undressing her in his mind, and he's tempted to think of her breasts and so on, um, and think about those things, you know, we can't say, well, that's a neutral thing. <laughs> um, you know, he has to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And the desire is really the, the crucial aspect of what are we desiring. And so I think that's um, a very bad danger where we, al we allow a lot of things to go on in our hearts and say, well, I won't let this become an act. I'll just let it, you know, percolate in my uh, heart. And, and so that's that the problem is, is the, the human heart is never satisfied once you allow it to run free in your mind it's not long until the acts begin to take place so that's why you need to strike as owen said at the first rising of sin and that is usually in your mind in your heart soul um, inwardly and put it to death immediately before it actually becomes an act yeah that's really good it's like it's like many guys i talk to you know email me they're like well, I struggle with looking at Instagram and it's like Instagram is like a cesspool. I mean, if you go on there, don't ever go use the search function because, I mean, you'll, you're going to find that. And it's yeah. like, hey, I'm looking at it and then somebody, a guy will look at it and then they keep looking at it and then they go to the profile and then they're looking at it. And so so we're we're not saying I think what I hear you saying is it's not just the, the looking at it, maybe looking at it. Maybe you shouldn't do that, but it's the luring. It's like you're going through the profile and you're starting to treasure that. You're starting to, you know, uh, lust after. You're starting to desire that because you're getting, well, excited, yeah. you know, and, and that that would probably be what you're saying. Well, that, that that's, the, that's the point, right? Between outward and inward. Uh, some, some you're you're walking down the street and someone, you know, alluring walks by. You, you, you're not necessarily sinning um, because of that temptation. Your heart may you may decide to to say, well, you know what? Um, you know, I'm going to look at this young lady with purity and or not look at all and whatever. You haven't sinned um, necessarily, but inwardly we can we can start to 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 think and meditate and 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 go in ways that are really not 
thoughts that would be pleasing to God and not thoughts that if we were to actually write them out for everyone to see, we would be proud to show, right? So I think that's mm-hmm. one of the keys is, you know, um, are our thoughts things that we could write out and be mm-hmm. pleased with to show others? And when, if they're not, generally, then I think you've got your answer. Yeah. I think it was Calvin in his diaries or something, and I can't remember where I read this, but he would at the end of the day go over the list of his sins or something, and then he would remind himself of the of the grace of God. You would probably know that better than me, but it's it's always that idea has always just re- been reinforced for me just to remind myself, like in those types of situations, take that thought captive turn to christ yeah take that thought captive and then at the end of the day think about think about that not in a morbid you know introspective kind of way but in a in a way that hey maybe i can have a better strategy in those moments and and so i'm being proactive and intentional and yeah um so yeah any thoughts on that or (laughs) i think you know anyone who's um you know seeking to have their their inner mind their soul their not just the outward pharisaical cleaning up but the inward christian um you you can't help but then be drawn to the cross to christ and if you're concerned about the inner man so i'm not i'm not worried about the person who says whoa you know like sins can be of the mind of the soul like inward thinking and temptations that sounds scary and i go yeah but Anyone who understands that also understands that um, that's where we also go quicker to the cross. Um, and and that's it, it shouldn't cause you to despair. It should cause you to, to have hope that you can go to the cross as soon as a thought comes up that you don't think is is godly and and be forgiven immediately. Mm, that's really good. In fact, so while, you're, while you're on that subject, how, how does a right understanding of our sin help us as Christians grow in God's grace? I think God God's not concerned about how serious a sinner you are. That's the first thing. He sent his son to die on a cross. So the problem is obviously very serious. So God's not surprised by, you can't confess something to God and God, like a human being, goes, whoa, hey, hang on now, brother. That's a little intense. Um, he's God. And that's very freeing because you can go to God and, and you don't actually have to worry that you're going to tell him something that he wouldn't have suspected. Whereas we would be like that with humans, right? And the problem is we often turn God into a human uh, practically. And so there's nothing you can need to worry about in going to God with whatever sin is in your heart or whatever act or word and, and confessing it because God's not going to be surprised. And then you're actually going with honesty to God. So God will be pleased and you're going to a God who's provided a solution. So God will not cast you away. So there's actually nothing you can go to God with where he hasn't already got the solution and the grace and the mercy to deal with whatever sin it may be. Mm, be As Luther says, be a big sinner, sin boldly. He's not saying go out and just start committing sins willy nilly. He's saying when you go to God, go to God as a real sinner, not as a, oh, you know, I'm just not a great person. And sometimes I don't um, love people. And no, go to him and say, you know, I'm a, an adulterate heart. I want to murder people in my soul and things like that. And, and, and be a real sinner because then you get a real savior. Hmm. It's really good. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about this subject. And as, as you're talking, I, I was thinking about the local church and, you know, we, 
we we're all we're we're as you mentioned Luther Samuel Justice Albrechtor we're at the same time yeah. saying in centers, you know, and we're <laughs> gathering together in this community of of faith under under you know qualified male. Uh, biblical elders and all these things and so we're gonna have to talk to each other about our sin how how should we how should we do that brother uh you know i think it again there's no i don't have a simple solution to that how we talk to each other about sin we have to take into account our relationships differ with people i don't talk to my wife about sin the same way i talk to my my best friend but I also don't talk to my best friend about sin the way I may talk to someone I've just met. Uh, and so God also allows us different types of relationships to deal with our sins in ways that are appropriate to that relationship. You know, if I pull someone over on the side of the road and start telling them all sorts of crazy stuff, I mean, that's just weird, you know, <laughs> they yeah. have a few friends where you can talk to, where you are allowed to open up your soul. And then there's the church where we confess our sins corporately and, and we identify with a lot of um, sins together. And we are by the very fact that we're engaging in worship, we're saying, yeah, this is who we are. Um, so there's all sorts of different ways we can um, do this in the church. And I think it's important to understand you have different relationships as gifts given to you by God to express your fears, your concerns about whatever um, in ways that are appropriate to that relationship. Mm, that's really, really good, brother. Well, where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise? I, to be honest, I'm, I'm becoming a little less enamored with social media. Just it's, I, I, you talk about cesspool um, Instagram, but I, I try to, I do, I do spend time on social media. Mainly, Facebook uh, is. I'm, I'm kind of still old now. I know young people don't really care for Facebook, but that's that. I, our church website, faithvan.com, is where my sermons are, and um, it's sort of the main point of of contact for my preaching ministry. And and you know, Amazon. I have an author page there, so you know, the, there's a few areas. I I don't tend to like Twitter. I don't find it leads to productive conversations and I don't like hot takes as a general rule. So yeah, I'm not, um, Twitter. I don't have the discipline. I, 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 you know, I'd probably just get mad at people all day long if I was on Twitter. So I, I, you know, yeah. if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So, um, yeah, basically. Well, Faith then. Well, you'll get a laugh out of this as you know, Rosaria Butterfield. She's told me, Dave, just repent and leave social media. It's, <laughs> it's just not worth it. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I think, you know, I, again, I, I think some people can do it well. I'm not, it's, I know, I think you just got to know yourself. And yeah. I've made so many mistakes over the years on social media, just, you know, and, and even if you have a British sense of humor and you say things and others are like, whoa, that's, and you, you're kind of thinking of it in one way. So there's so much room for misunderstanding too, where people think you're mad or this, and you're not really, you're just having a, a laugh. But culturally, there's a lot of roadblocks at times between British and American or South African or Canadian. Like we just, um, that doesn't always come through on social media. So I think you just have to be careful. And, and coming back to the doctrine of sin, understand yourself, where your your strengths and weaknesses are and, and monitor mm. that. Mm. It's really, really good. Well, brother, uh, as I always say at the end of these uh, podcasts, there's a lot that we could talk about. And there is a lot that we yeah. did not talk about on okay. this. But but just as we wrap up, do you have any takeaways for those who listen or watch this? 
I, yeah, I think don't be afraid of, of, of sin. Um, it's an awful, awful thing, but it's, it's not something where a, we, we shouldn't study it. We should study it. We should know who we are because then we can know who God is and his solution for the problem of sin is much more glorious in my mind. Once we have a great understanding of sin. So you can't lose by studying sin in a biblical, theological, pastoral way. So that's the same for preaching. Don't be afraid to preach on sins, not just sin. Oh, we're all sinners, but specific sins. But then remember, there's always a solution to every sin and it's found in Christ. And, and that's really the essence of Christian living is, is looking at ourselves and then looking to God and Christ and then back to ourselves and back to God and Christ. And it's just a, a nonstop repeat of, of how we live our lives. Mm, it's really good, brother. Really good. Well, guys, we've been uh, talking to you today with uh, Dr. Mark Jones about his book, Knowing Sin, Seeing Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. Uh, for those of you who are watching, again, here's the book. Uh, yep. And I uh, always try to make sure it's in the screen because I zoom up there. But uh, Dr. Jones, thank you so much for your time and for your ministry and for the great writing that you're doing in this book and many others. So. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.